was probably right. But he was too much in love with the sound of his own voice to ever put his theory to the test. But now, Mary's hands were cracked and calloused with the hard labor of homesteading. One summer afternoon, Nash had surprised his mother at the piano, wringing her hands and weeping. She made Nash promise never to tell Uriah. The rest of the furnishings were rough-hewn to fit the rough-hewn home. The house had been a line cabin once, years ago, when Montana was still an open range. Nash remembered the look on his mother's face when she first saw the cabin, and the apology in his father's voice as he said, I know it isn't much, but we'll fix it up and it'll serve until I can build you something better. That had been five years ago. And still it was the same cabin, still the rough plank floor, worn smooth by the door and by the stove, and splintered elsewhere, only the muslin draped from the rafters to catch the dirt that dropped through from the sod roof was new. There was still laughter in the house, but not as often as there had been at first. The boy's shivering stopped. Only his nose, poked out from under the blankets, was cold. The warmth drew him into sleep, still wondering what his mother and father had been talking about. Nash awakened to the sound of the door on the stove firebox rasping open. He watched as his father took sticks from the kindling bucket by the stove and laid them on the few coals left from the night. Uriah spoke without looking up. Better be getting up, boy. I heard Bess calling from the barn a few minutes ago. She's ready for milking. Nash reached out from the bed and grabbed his shirt and pants from where they lay on the floor. He slipped his clothes under the covers, hoping to warm them a bit before dressing. I'll be right there, Dad. Don't let her start without me. Uriah chuckled at the private joke, which was a daily ritual between the two of them. He chucked a few more sticks on the fire and stepped to the peg on the wall where his coat and hat were hanging. You won't be going to school Monday, maybe all week. I want you to split some more wood for your mother. I'm going to hitch up the wagon and haul some hay for the sheep. Uriah opened the door and stepped into the darkness. No school. Ordinarily, Nash would have been elated to spend a day at home, even if it meant work but now he was vaguely apprehensive. School was important business, and missing it wasn't taken lightly. Putting on his boots was like plunging his feet into creek water, and Nash wriggled his toes to give them a little breathing room. Then he lighted the brass kerosene lantern, grabbed the galvanized milk bucket, and stepped outside into a cold that took his breath away. It was unseasonably cold, as though someone had left the door to the Arctic open, letting the icy winds loose to play on the Montana prairie. Uriah was fond of saying that the only thing between the North Pole and Montana was a barbed wire fence, and it blew down two or three times a year. But it was warmer away from the wind in the log barn where Bess had spent the night. The Guernsey's body heat and the insulation provided by the hay overhead in the loft kept the barn warmer than the house at night. Easy, Bess, Nash said to the milk cow, and I'll trade you some hay for a bucket of milk. Nash scrambled up the ladder leading to the loft, talking all the while. 
Uriah said the sound of a man's voice quieted a cow, and Nash would have recited the Gettysburg Address to the cantankerous beast if it made the milking easier. Nash dropped a couple of forkfuls of hay, then descended and closed the stanchion on the cow's neck when she reached out to take it. I don't know what's going on, Bess, but I'm not going to school today, so it must be important. Mom doesn't want me to go because it's dangerous. He let dangerous roll off his tongue, savoring the taste of it. Then he sat down, gripping the bucket between his knees, and went to work. Swish, swish, the milk streamed into the bucket, leaving a layer of froth on the top. Nash shot a couple of streams of milk at the cats, waiting expectantly nearby, and stood, hanging his stool back on the wall. He released the stanchion and turned Bess out into the cold. The bucket was heavy with Bess's